What's up, Depressed Dolphins? Here is episode five. Yeah, episode five. It's been such a long time for me personally. No, we were, you were... So, I just did mm-hmm. one solo episode, but you were the one... No. No. No, you've done more than one solo uh, well, episode. Well, I'm... Yeah, that's true. But we did... <laughs> I did one solo episode, yeah. and then we did one together. We are shooting the shit together. Mm-hmm. And then we... I did a solo episode today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so episode five for you. Mm. Episode three for me now? Yeah, I think so. Exactly. <laughs> well, either way, though, it doesn't matter. We're... Stealing the limelight over. I'm not. You could do a solo episode, too. No, I can't. I don't have an iPhone. Or access to what we're doing. I can give you access. All right. Exactly. All right. All right. We're going to edit that part out. (laughs) Um, Jerry. (laughs) And Terry. Jerry, edit that out. Edit that out. Um, Today, we are going to be talking about disorders. So, this episode is called The Disorder Hour. Oh, yeah. And uh, what do we have here in your lap, Briggs? Ah, so in my lap, uh, we have a copy, my copy, of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the 5th edition. Uh, Which is the most current. Which is the most current. Not necessarily the best, but the most current. And what did we flip to today? Uh, Today we flipped to Kleptomania, uh, page 478, for those reading at home. Why you would be reading this, I don't know, but, you know, it's his own. All right, so kleptomania, in the shortest, briefest possible description, Mm -hmm. is a compulsion uh, to steal things. Yeah. You have have a a compulsion, it's a compulsory disorder. I don't know, I just made that up. Oh, no, that's pretty accurate. But yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But what does it say in the book? Okay, so, uh, again, for those reading at home, uh, there are uh, five, five... Uh, necessary diagnostic criteria that you have to hit to be considered a kleptomaniac. Uh, The things you have to hit, recurrent failure to resist impulses to steal objects that are not needed for personal use or monetary value, right? Uh, For their monetary value. Uh, So, you steal shit, you really don't have a reason to. You just do it, right? Uh, And you don't make a plan to do it. You just go, you know, I really like that thing over there. We'll take it. That's it. Easy peasy, right? Uh, Number B. I don't know why it's number B. It's B in the book, and I All went right. number. B. Uh, B. Uh, increasing sense of tension immediately before committing the crime. Uh, so you're getting angst up right before you commit the crime. You get a lot of anxiety. You get a lot of, I mean, lot of tension. if anyone who's ever stolen things out there, like, you know, as kids and stuff, something shit happens, right? Yeah. You get anxiety when you steal things. That's a normal thing. How is this a disorder? Well, okay, so that's the thing, right? There are people who don't get anxious when they steal shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but kleptomaniacs do still feel bad when they steal, right? Interesting. So they have remorse for what they're doing. Yes. Well, they feel they feel bad before they do it. Before they do it. But then what do they feel after? After they do it, which is number C, part C, uh, pleasure, gratification, or relief at the time of committing theft. So it's almost like this. It's almost like, um, okay, like OCD. A little a bit, yeah. A form of OCD where you... There's a form of OCD where you pull your hair out. Yeah. I know someone who has this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you feel anxious, and then you pull your hair out. Yeah. But then it's immediate release. Yeah. It's like your body builds up psychological tension, right? Or anxiety, or whatever you want to call it in the moment, where you have an issue, right? And you can't figure out what the problem is exactly, right? And eventually your brain picks up the idea that the only way to solve that issue is to do an action, right? So in OCD, in in, um, obsessive compulsive disorder or uh, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, what that becomes is like rituals or compulsive actions, right? Um, By the way, we are outside on our balcony, so we apologize for outside noises. But listen to the lovely birds chirp. Yeah, ambience is what you're apologizing for. Yeah, yeah, true. Now this is an ASMR podcast. ASMR. 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 Um, but <laughs> uh, in those situations, uh, the individual has a compulsive action that they have to perform, right? So my personal favorite is uh, someone with OCD who knows logically their neighbor's cat is not in their fridge. But, <laughs> I, I, you have to say that. Okay. But, get, gets a horrible anxiety that their neighbor's cat is in their fridge. And so they have to check. And not just one time. They have to check, like, 20 times. 
So we can bring this back to everyday life in that everyone has, I would say, somewhat of a spectrum of OCD. And the reason I say this, hear me out, is because like, okay, for instance, with parents, Mm -hmm. there are times where we think that we are hearing Finn at night. We have anxiety. Or there's just times where I'm like, did he throw up? We know he didn't throw up. We didn't hear him throw up. But we have to check because we have anxiety over needing to hear him throw up. Yeah, that's... So that's... I understand where you're coming from. It's very similar. Okay. It's not quite the same. Right. Right? So for that, like you talk about, like, uh, parents out there will know more about this. Like right. hearing phantom noises. For the youth out there, right? Right. Phantom uh, Baby vibrations. Christ. No, no, no. Whoa. Phantom vibrations of your phone in your pocket. Okay. Or phantom phone rings, right? You're like, oh my God, I can tell my phone is ringing. And you check your phone, there's nothing there, right? Right. Same idea, except now imagine it's your baby crying because it's dying. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> a lot more serious, but uh, it's that, ex- that experience, right? Um, that is your brain tricking you into believing that there's an issue that there isn't. Um, and sure, if that becomes compulsive, right? So like, you have to go check on it every hour on the hour, or you have to check it 20 times, or imaginary or magical thinking solves it. Oh. That, yeah, yeah. that's that it's an important qualifier for OCD. Stuff like, uh, remember Charlie from, uh, or Charlie's mom from uh, Always Sunny? Always Sunny. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, folks. Great, great, great show. show. Also a great example of uh, uh, OCD. No, o- uh, uh, OCPD. Um, oh, right. Fine distinction. But, um, she believes that uh, one of the things that will keep Charlie alive is flicking her light switch on and off, like, ten times. Uh, right. That is an OCPD or OCD kind of thought process. Um, but back okay. to this. Back to Club Back to this. Um, so they feel pleasure after the, the theft because all that tension that they've built up in their body has released. A bit like a bowstring being pulled back. He went through the screen. Sorry, folks. Our our neighbor has a magic, a magnetic the magic screen, a magic like from screen Walmart. from Walmart that's like magnetic. You can walk through it and walk, walk through it all you want. Okay, sorry. Go She's ahead. She's very excited. I kept trying to get her to get it all all last year, and she yeah. refused. So I didn't understand it. Now that I understand it, I'm like, oh, we, we could use this. We could totally use this. We won't have to turn on the AC during the springtime. Wow. But um, think of it like a bowstring being pulled back. Lots of tension. Lots of tension. Mm-hmm. Release, and you feel a lot better. Okay, so what's next on the list? Uh, next, D. I'm not going to say number D. D. Uh, the stealing is not committed to express anger or vengeance and is not a response to a delusion or hallucination. So you're not stealing because you believe that guy is Hitler and you have to take his stuff because that'll keep the Nazis, or the, uh, the Nazis from killing the Jews. Uh, you're not stealing because that guy, you know, keyed your car or because he, he sniped a okay, job so from you. Okay, so why are you stealing you, that's a great question. That that's the question at hand. You're okay. just stealing because the impulse hit you to steal that guy's stuff. Interesting. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So what's next on the list? Uh, the final thing: stealing is not a is not better explained by conduct disorder, a manic episode, or antisocial personality disorder. Um, so that pretty much covers a bunch of possibilities, right? So conduct disorder is baby version of antisocial personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Antisocial personality disorder is a full cover term for two different disorders that are more commonly known as um, psychopathy or sociopathy, Mm -hmm. right, Uh, for those at home. Uh, And the last one, a manic episode, is going to be something related to bipolarism bipolarism or uh, cyclothemia or something like that. Okay, so there you have it, folks. That's what it takes to be a kleptomaniac. And if you have ever watched I Love Lucy, as me and my sister have uh, religiously at one point in our lives, um, she actually pretends to be a kleptomaniac to again fool her husband ricky ricardo which is you know the end game in all the the i love lucy episodes and i can't remember why like what the premises was as to why she was doing it but usually when it comes to lucy it has something to do with wanting to get her way on something and so she does it to prove a point to ricky but it always ends up going south as we know it sounds like she has uh what is that that chick's name uh lily lily from uh how i met your mother situation do you remember that show at all i wasn't really into it i i wasn't either i watched the entire show i watched that show 
every episode going, why am I watching this? But I kept watching. Yeah, no. Um, um, I realized, like, by episode, like, three that on. I was like, nope, not nope. into it. I watched that show every single episode. And I went, man, this show is not funny. And I just kept going. And I just kept going. I'm like, I hate this show. So it reminds you of Lily. Yeah. So Lily, one of the characters on the show, because uh, much like Friends, it is a group of friends living, I believe, in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, who hang out at a bar constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Lily is a school teacher who has a significant other who they've been together since they were in college. And Lily has a tendency to, uh, if she feels she has met someone who has done something wrong uh, or needs to learn a lesson, she steals something that they love uh, until they apologize or feel bad about it. doesn't matter who they are mm-hmm. or anything. She will steal something from you. And you will feel bad about it until you Interesting. Yes, so I the, feel like it's a similar situation. All right. Well, we're going to go to move on to the next disorder. Briggs, what is one of your favorite disorders? Ooh. Why don't you pick a favorite of yours? Kleptomania is actually something that I knew about, something that I thought was interesting. So when you flip to it randomly, I was like, oh, yeah, hey. Yeah, we, we just decided to flip to disorders and see what happens. Yeah. I have a favorite disorder personally. I don't remember exactly where it is in this big book, but I can tell you about it if you would like. Yeah, why don't you tell uh, us about while it? While I look for it. So, uh, the disorder in question is something called fictitious disorder. Um, and for those uh, English majors out there, uh, you probably understand what I mean when I say fictitious disorder for everyone else. Um, this is a disorder uh, where an individual acts as though they have a disorder that they do not truly have. Um, it's more commonly known uh, amongst the, the pop culture savvy as something called Munchausen's disorder. Um, and they are almost synonymous disorders. Okay. And, and, but the, the difference is, is Munchausen's is... God, we just talked about this the other day. The difference is... so strong. The difference is... The difference is with Munchausen's is that Munchausen's is doing it... No, okay, so there's Munchausen's, but there's Munchausen's by proxy. Okay, yeah. The one that I know, the the Munchausen's by proxy is the one where there is a person in your vicinity, let's just say, that is sick, like let's say your child, but is actually not sick, but you project onto them that they're sick, and then you do it for the attention. A famous show, um, God... What was that show? <laughs> uh, with that rose chick. Um, yeah, with like, what is it? It's not Ruby Rose, is it? No, Ruby Rose is like an actress. Yeah, no. God, I love Ruby Rose. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, no. Um, God. I'm blanking. I'm like having a huge brain fart, which... You have to go to Hulu to discover what this show is now. I guess. Kids, if you're going to start podcasting... Make sure you make a list of what you're going to talk about before you talk about well, it. Well, usually we're pretty good at pretty good at this. It's true. Um, well, anyways, there's a show, and it's based off a real person who his name is Ruby. Um, she is a daughter of this woman who um, basically faked all the disorders that her child had. Even even convinced her child that she wasn't able to walk. So she was in a wheelchair for years. That's a power and then right yeah, and then her child discovered, "Oh, I can walk. I'm not actually sick." Found out that there was something terribly wrong with her mom, that her mom was doing it for the attention, the fame. They were in uh, Hurricane Katrina and they got a house ma- like basically made up for them, not because of Hurricane Katrina, but because of like a specific house that was like made like wheelchair accessible for her daughter Ruby uh, by the community. Oh, there you are. But, yeah, so that's Munchausers by proxy. Yeah. Munchausers. Okay, so, uh, the distinction between Munchausens by proxy, or Munchausens by proxy, uh, Munchausens and fictitious disorder. Yes. So, um, both, both uh, uh, diseases present by uh, a function of the individual will act as though they have a disorder that they do not truly have uh, to get the attention or the support or medical treatment um, from individuals because they desire their attention, more yeah, or less, right? Basically, yeah. Um, the difference at the end of the day is because, uh, or from the viewpoint of what's the root cause, right? So, fictitious disorder is a psychological disorder. It's the individual. Right, it's the brain. It's yeah. so that's the brain problem. Mm-hmm. That's the mind Sorry, issue. Sorry, the mind issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mind versus the brain. Yes. All right. Uh, so, in fictitious disorder, the individual has had some kind of in- situation in the past, right? Um, or some chemical 
imbalance that causes them to require that additional support, right? So, like, right. for instance, they had a sibling who was in the hospital for a really long time, and like, they got had cancer or something. They got overshadowed. They didn't get the, the attention that the other sibling did. Maybe the other sibling died. But regardless, um, the important thing is, is that they learned that the way they get their the, the, the parental support, right, that they desired, yeah. that they required, was through being sick. And so they would learn to fake being sick so that they could get that support. Right, so that's a mind disorder. Yeah, in Munchausen's, right, uh, in Munchausen's... It's the, an actual brain, something's the, actually wrong Yeah, with the something brain. is wrong structurally with the brain itself, causing symptoms identical to a factitious disorder. So that would be similar to a situation where the, the frontal lobe or the prefrontal cortex, um, the medial range of the brain has been damaged, causing a, a reduction of the executive skills. Um, and that's a whole bunch of disorders to include uh, antisocial personality disorder. But uh, the point is, if you have a brain structural problem, like you got bonked on the head hard enough, right. you could end up having Munchausen's. If on the other hand, you have fictitious disorder, you got bonked on the soul hard enough. You got bonked on the soul, yeah. Um, but the, it's important to, to distinguish the two, right? Right. Um, because at the end of the day, if the reason that you are going to a doctor trying to get help for something you don't actually have is because you had a sibling who had problems mm-hmm. and it's just in your head, right? Then the treatment for that is honestly a lot of talk therapy to get you through that to try to show you better coping skills for when you need that support. Right. Whereas if, for instance, you have a parasite in your brain mm-hmm. that's slowly eating your mind away, mm-hmm. well, you know, maybe talk therapy isn't the best. Maybe some antivirals uh, or antiparasitics for your yeah. mind. Yeah. Maybe that. <laughs> so why do you like this disorder so much? I love this disorder because it has the funniest presentation as a possibility, right? Okay. Um, because it is possible to get fictitious disorder and present with fictitious disorder okay explain you could end up and it it actually comes up in this book because you talked about like fictitious disorder by proxy or munchausen by proxy right? Right, right where the individual goes I don't have the disorder. My daughter or my son or my husband has the disorder, right? So you're saying... This person, this person goes, I have the disorder and the disorder I have is fictitious disorder and tries to convince people that they have fictitious disorder, believing they don't have fictitious disorder. And so it becomes a recursive problem where they, their real problem is fictitious disorder, but they try to convince people that they have fictitious disorder. That is super confusing. I love that so much. God. It is a legitimate example in the DSM-5. It's like, just in case you wanted to know, this happens pretty often. <laughs> Jesus. That's ridiculous. Yeah, because especially with like the advent of WebMD. Don't go on WebMD, kids. Um, oh, yeah. Every time I go on WebMD, I end up hurting myself. You're like, I have cancer. Yes. Every time. Every time it's that or it's just like, oh, my God. It's like the worst case scenario. Yeah. And then you look at me and you're like, why are you on WebMD? And I'm like, I, I don't know because I need to know what's wrong with me. And you're like, just go to the doctor. And I'm like, I or ask, or ask someone, yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, God. Yeah, WebMD is really dangerous for people with hypochondria. It's even more exciting. What are people. you saying? I'm not saying you. I know people uh-huh. who are hypochondriacs. Uh-huh. But it's amazingly fun when it comes to people with fictitious disorder. Because they'll learn, like, the right medications to take. Or what medications to take to make it look like they have some other fucking disorder. Yeah, see, that's um, crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So, a lot of these disorders, it's very, very interesting um, to read about. Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's flip to histrionic disorder. Oh, yeah? You want me to head that way? Yeah. Okay, conduct disorder. So, histrionic disorder is a personality disorder that we're yep. going to delve into once Briggs gets there. All the disorders. <sighs> the thing about, you know that's interesting about this is that i mean we obviously have actual disorders i have bipolar 2 you have dysthymia yeah i do yeah 
which if those of you don't, who don't know, dysthymia is a form of depression. Yeah, I have, I have, it's, it's used to be in the DSM-4, if you ever look it up, uh, it was called dysthymia. Currently it's persistent depressive. Persistent depressive disorder. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Fun oh, it's fact. I, you, okay. When I was getting my diagnosis for bipolar two, mm-hmm. well, not getting it. I didn't fucking know I had it, yeah. but when I was in the process of being diagnosed, um, the first ever therapist told me, or psychiatrist, that I had dysthymia. Yep. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I had, like, a couple different diagnoses before I actually got to bipolar 2. The main thing with the reason that it's tough, right, is that dysthymia is normally just identified with you have depressive periods, right? Mm-hmm. Major depression, which isn't as common of a diagnosis anymore. That was the other one that I got. Yeah diagnosed with generally all these kind of depression symptoms right Mm -hmm. they don't get diagnosed straight up as depression anymore they're They're usually associated with with something something else right um and dysthymia is sort of an oddball one inside of that or persistent depression disorder um in that you don't have the ups that you would in bipolarism or uh cyclonic disorder um or i can't say that word um but Regardless, mm-hmm. um, you don't have the, the ups that you would normally have. What you have is vaguely normal-ish, right, um, or slightly below normal, and then slight dips down, right? Right. Um, and so what it normally ends up presenting as is sort of a down mood every once in a while, right? right? Um, but it's persistent for a very long period of time, somewhere between a couple months to several years. Right. Uh, and the main problem point in it is if that you have these down moments hit alongside a moment of major depression it becomes what is lovingly referred to as double depression <laughs> double depression yeah that's true the other thing is too is that um dys- dysthymia or persistent depressive disorder yeah. let's just call it that that's easier for me to say PDD. um P- pdd yeah uh that can if left untreated if i'm correct can actually lead to bipolarism uh yeah in its own way uh that's the thing with the people who have dysthymia generally are halfway towards uh, bipolarism. Generally, you'll have people who have family histories of bipolarism mm-hmm. or, or the precursors genetically to it or neurologically. And what will happen is they'll get put onto the medication for their depression. Um, and if they haven't revealed the fact that they have it or they don't know that they have a history of bipolarism, um, they have a tendency to get on the antidepressant side, but not a mood stabilizer to counteract. And it can actually cause them to hit into a manic episode, right. which would start that cycle. Yeah. The main big problem or the main like thing you have to worry about or try to do is avoid that cycle starting. Because once it starts, it's an engine that never stops. Yeah, I should know. Yeah. I should know. The thing about... Okay, so we're going to talk real quick about the difference between bipolar 1 and bipolar 2. So bipolar 1, you have major ups and downs so you have high manic episodes where you're just going up 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 and then you peak and then you just drop down and your drops basically the the divots between the uh manic episodes and the depressive episodes are significantly different which is leads you to be really far up and then really fucking far down yeah and the thing is is that people think that the manic episodes sound like they would be better honestly they're terrible no yeah they're terrible because a lot of what comes with manic with mania yeah. is on in it's irritate it's irritability really is what it is it's, it's very like hypersensitive irritability where you're just like you can't sit still you can't focus on anything you're overly stimulated constantly all the time um a lot of times it comes with like you know because you feel like you have to do something to get rid of this and you just can't get rid of it and you can't fucking do anything about it and so it's almost like being on like the worst caffeine high but at the same time also being on um a downer at the same time because you're so exhausted but your body keeps going even though you're yeah your body keeps going even though because it's like it's a, it's like your mind is still going, but your body's super tired. Yeah. So you keep going. Uh, things like money spending happens, and um, you know you get addicted to things, and you know you look to other things to cope with it. Yeah, um, you're trying to get your mind off of that situation, or trying to just take up that time you got. <laughs> take up that time, and you're just trying to. You're really just trying to rest, but you can't rest. Yeah. And then when you drop down, you're so low. It's like you're 
hitting rock bottom every fucking time. So that's bipolar one. Bipolar two is hypomania, which is a series of ups and downs, um, just like bipolar one. However, the ups aren't as significant as the downs. And there's not as much of a divot between your mania- your manic episodes and your depressive episodes. Yeah, I've actually seen graphs of all the different versions of this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they use... So, thymic, I believe is the term. Uh, thymic is like baseline, normal human, right? Neurotypical. Right. Um, and then uh, dysthymic, you'll see, right? It's normal, dip below, back to normal, dip below, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and there, there's full graphs of every single group. And for, for bipolar 2, it is like just a little bit above, a little bit below, a little bit above, a little bit below. Right. And then, yeah, when you get to bipolar 1, it's it looks like a fucking like final wave. It's, yeah, yeah. it's amazing to look at. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's what bipolar 1 and bipolar 2 are. And um, yeah, those are interesting. But right now we're going to talk about histrionic personality disorder. Histrionic personality disorder. Okay, so uh, I look into personality disorders a lot. Uh, I'm going to say this now. I'm going to also say uh, histrionic personality disorder is one that I've always wanted to look more into. I don't know as much about it as the others. Mm. Um, because it's really, really uncommon one way or the other. Um, at least in the context of the literature of things, right? right. Um, it's not as sexy as antisocial and other things. Right. Um, so, uh, histrionic personality disorder, we'll go through it the same way we did everything else, um, is a pers- uh, pervasive pattern of excessive emotionality and attention-seeking beginning by early adulthood and present with variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. One, is uncontrollable in situations in which he or she is not the center of attention. Two, uh, interaction with others is often characterized by inappropriate sexual seductive or provocative behavior. Three, displays rapidly shifting and shallow expressions of emotions. Four, consistently uses physical appearance to draw attention to self. Five, has a style of speech that is excessively impressionistic and lacking in detail. Uh, Six, shows self-dramatization, theatricality, and exaggerated expression of emotion. Seven, is suggestible, i.e. easily influenced by others or circumstances. And then eight, considers relationships to be more intimate than they actually are. So I feel like, and I am not going to name names whatsoever because I just, I don't. Um, I feel like I know a couple people Mm -hmm. with this disorder. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things, right? Um, personality disorders, much like uh, what you would find in everything else, you'll find people who sound like they have that thing, mm-hmm. right? But you cannot make that assessment without uh, a lot of research, one way or the other, into that person. And and here's the thing: the people that I feel like that I know this about, know this about, it just, I mean, almost all the characteristics. Mm-hmm. Uh, except one of them, I don't really know about like the seductive, promiscuous type of attention-seeking yeah. behavior. Um, one of them I do, and I don't know. I just I I think I know a couple people with this disorder. And when I when I found this disorder, yeah, I which you told me in passing just for funsies because we were doing we were talking about doing this podcast. We we're talking about doing the disorder hour. Welcome to our ASMR. Uh, but anyways, and yeah, when you had mentioned this, I was like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, no, it's fun to go through stuff like that. So, um, a lot of people, uh, in the psychological realms, uh, uh, and I'm not an expert, but a lot of people say that, um, histrionic personality disorder is a opposite coin of, um, uh, antisocial personality disorder, right? For those of you who don't know, antisocial personality disorder uh, is a general term relating to people who have a shallow effect. Uh, they have a lack of remorse. Generally, sort of assholes. Uh, there's more to it than that, but uh, there's a lot of stuff we can get into. Right. The thing is, is that there's a lot of research that's gone into antisocial personality disorder, but it's almost exclusively related to individuals in the prison setting. So right. it's not as functional outside of that. And histrionic personality disorder... 
um, was mostly uh, done research-wise during like the 50s. when so it was wim- on women, when women were going through depression and stuff? Uh, yeah, it was done on women, uh, and the cure for it at the time, if memory serves. Was lobotomy? No, it was worse. Uh, it was what? It was boiling water up the uterus, if memory <gasps> serves, and along those lines. Oh uh, my god. Yeah, that, that was, if memory serves, it was either the French or the Greeks who came up with that concept. Um, as a way of dealing with uh, uh, hysteria, hysteria, that, that term is related to Yeah, women, and that's a great pains. way to fucking solve hysteria or anyone hysterical. Put some I mean, boiling goddamn water up their goddamn insides and cook them. I mean, if I was hysterical, the I fuck? wouldn't be any hysterical anymore. Um, it's not about whatever I was hysterical about. No, I'd be hysterical about fucking <laughs> boiling, boiling water. water. What the hell? Oh, yeah. People are so crazy. here's the thing. We're going to quickly talk yeah. about this real quick. Mental health disorders <laughs> have a goddamn stigma, and they have, and they have for a long fucking time. In the 50s, um, how do I how do I say this? In the 50s, a lot of experimentation was going on. A lot of experimentation was going on with mental health. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm lobotomies was a thing the thing is the thing is uh the 50s there was i'm not gonna say they did a good job they were attempting generally to do better still though oh they were shit i'm not saying they were good still because again ancient times boiling water i'm just saying it was still pretty close right they did do that boiling water stuff it was just the full body instead of you know straight up straight up uterus yeah yeah. um but uh they were at least they were bad but they were learning things about the body they were learning things about the brain and and i get that but it but it came but it also at the time while yes they were experimenting they were learning things about the brain it also came from a place of fear well the thing is is that they the people who invented the lobotomy, and I don't remember the doctor's name anymore, um, but the person who invented the lobotomy legitimately was trying to help people. And there are situations where the lobotomy was a functional way of dealing with it. I am not saying that it is the right thing by any stretch of the imagination and certainly was overused. It was, right? But there are situations where lobotomy or similar concepts are the correct thing. I don't think a psychologist should be the person to make that choice, though. A psychiatrist, fuck no, right? A neurologist or a, a, a um, cognitive scientist should be the person to be like, you know, your brain's a little messed up. Maybe we remove some of it. Um, not right. not a guy with a needle and a hammer. No. Um, I, I mean, I guess my thing is I just wanted to mention again here, like, uh, I kind of did that on my previous episode a yep. little bit, but wanted to mention that, you know, there is a stigma, um, with people with mental health disorders. Um, the stigma, you know, like for instance, me coming from my religious background, mm-hmm. I was told to just pray, pray um, away. pray it away. And that, that's, if you have brain, a chem- like, okay, if you have a chemical imbalance in your brain, that's not going to fucking do anything. And also, likewise, likewise, if you have a psychological problem from deep past trauma, mm-hmm. that's also not going to do anything for you. Yeah, I think that there are pieces of the church especially that have the possibility of helping, right? Because at the end of the day, a psychologist has not always existed, right? Yeah. Counselors haven't always existed. But that idea in its ways have existed in different parts, right? If you're talking about even like the bartender at your local you know, inn at that point, right? But I think that there are versions of it that can help, but not going to help everybody, right? Just like how modern psychology or psychiatry isn't going to help everybody every time. And so... I agree, but what I'm trying to communicate to our listeners here is if you... If you feel think you need help, if, go get help. Yeah, you need help, go get help. Yeah. You know, whether that be talk therapy or whether that be, you know, going to see a psychiatrist and getting prescribed medication. I mean, just fucking take care of yourselves well, however you need to, right? right? A lot of resources out there. There really are. Yeah. And, yeah, there really are. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I used to be the guy who have to tell people that or have to help them go get those resources. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Um, Do you feel that you have ever run into mental health stigmas or, um, I guess, people, judgmental people? Or did you, like, when you decided to reach out for your 
dysthymia or mm. what were we calling it? A depre- persistent depressive disorder, PP- right. or PDD. Uh, did you ever have like a moment where you're like, ah, oh, I don't need this or I don't know, like anything in your background or anything like that, that kept you from wanting to help yourself out? Oh, plenty. Um, I, uh, I was not a fan of, of going and talking to people. I still am not, right? I'm not a, not a big person at that. And even to this day, when I have to talk to new doctors and stuff, I'm not really into explaining everything, though I do it anyways. Right. Generally, I go in there and I tell them, hey, I need this thing. This is my situation. That's it, right? I've had a lot of doctors who just roll with it. Some of them don't like that. Um, but uh, and I've had a few doctors who were able to get me to talk and open up, and we had a good dialogue. But it's all about finding that person, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think the best one I ever had was uh, a doctor. Well, it was actually a nurse practitioner named Debbie. Debbie something. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was really good. She was this, uh, like, redheaded Jewish lady. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And she uh, made a comment to me saying that she thought that I sounded like a, uh, a Jewish Holocaust survivor. Uh, she said. Yeah. <laughs> which, which cracked me up. And she made me watch a movie called... Um, the pawnbroker, uh, or the pawn collector, one of those. Um, and uh, the picture on the DVD is uh, a guy stabbing his hand through like a receipt holder, right? Because okay. that's what he does at the very end of the movie. But um, she actually made a point. Debbie Meyer, that's her name. Mm. Debbie Myers. Uh, she made a point to go get that DVD for me uh, and give it to me so that I could watch it. Uh, that was nice she, of her. Yeah, because she was like, "This would help you talk about stuff." So that's really interesting. And I, and I think like you're right. It's all about finding the right person, finding yeah. the right doctor, because I had one bed management person that mm-hmm. I absolutely loved, uh, back home and her name was Brandy. I don't remember her last name, but her name was Brandy. She had a daughter. And every time I talked about what was going on or I cried in her office or I told her my symptoms, whatever her response was always, I wouldn't want my daughter feeling that way. What can I do to help you? Which made me feel good. Made me feel like, okay, she was actually really watching out for me. She wasn't just prescribing, pushing medication on yeah. me or, you know, trying to just put a bandaid on the situation. She was actually like, you know what? Let's, let's, you know, like if this was my daughter, what, what the hell yeah. would I do for my daughter? What would we do? What would we do? We'd do something. Yeah. So it's all about, you know, putting yourself out there, I guess, as you have to do with anything in life. Yeah. And it's about, I don't know. So I think that, and this is going to be like a, a dumb army lesson, I think, honestly, or coming into the civilian world that you keep trying to put in me. Oh, he's turning into one of those army people that always talks about the no, army no, now, no. the retired army people. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to avoid that. Um, no. <laughs> um, so in the army, it's very easy to become that guy who's like, well, this is what they said to do. Okay, I'll do that, right? Regardless of what it is, whether it be military or medical or whatever, right? You right. don't look for second opinions, right? right. Um, I think that it's really important if you do have that option. You're a consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Your health care, no one cares about your health more than you do, mm-hmm. right? Unless you're suicidal. Uh, yeah. yeah. But regardless, right? No one cares about you more than you care about you. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, if you don't like what you're getting from that doctor, go find someone else. Fuck that guy, right? I agree with that. I agree that I had a similar experience this summer with that. I had someone who could barely understand me, could barely speak English, and I could barely understand them. And he was a med pusher. He was just like, take this med. And I was like, no, this is not a medication I want to take. I've tried this medication. It doesn't work for me. Mm. Please don't push this medication on me. And he pushed the medication on me anyways. Or he gave me like two options and didn't try hard enough for me he was just like you can either stay on the meds you're on now and put your baby at risk or you can go on what all the nurse practitioners are going to prescribe to you which is lexapro because that's the only one that they feel comfortable prescribing it's the only one they really know about and i and i said goodbye to that guy and uh didn't really go see another doctor so that was bad but (laughs) went on the the shitty medication ended up just making that decision but I didn't keep seeing that doctor. And now I have a new doctor. Here's a question for you. I was just thinking about this. Okay, so I'm a nerd. This is going to be a hard segue. Okay. Uh, not that hard. I- I'm a nerd, right? Okay. I-, I don't know about you. I have a rule uh, when it comes to TV shows. Uh, it-, it makes sense. I- I'll explain. Uh, okay. I give I give TV shows three episodes. Right? Okay. 
the standard, unless they are really, really offensive to me somehow, like they're bad, I give them three episodes to convince me to watch them, right? If they don't get me in the first, I'll keep watching for two more and then I'll, I'll leave. Do I apply the same rule to doctors? Do I go the first time, ah, I don't know about this doctor. And then, like, do I give them two more or do I just shut it down then? That's the so question. So I think it depends on your intuition. Yeah. I think you have to use your intuition and be intuitive about that and be proactive yeah. in your care. Uh, if you don't have any experience in this and this is your first time doing it, I say give them, give them another chance. Yeah. If the second time it's still you're feeling bad vibes, maybe give them one more chance. And if it's still not something, then I say, you know, don't. So I say, use your TV episode if you don't have any experiences, your first time seeking help, and you're like, you know what, I just need a doctor, and you were given a referral, and then it ended up being a shitty referral. Just try it out, see what happens, and then that's it. But if you have experience and you've had previous prior doctors where you know this is what my needs are, these are how I need them to be met, Mm -hmm. then I say, first time you get in bad vibes and you know 100% this is exactly the same route that they're going to go down like this road they're going to go down that bunny trail that you do not want them to go down that bunny trail yeah. then I say skip it skip it move on to the next guy there's plenty of doctors out there I mean it's gonna and it also but it also depends like how much medication do you have left like how much you know how much how badly are you hurting right now because if you just need some meds even if it's shitty meds for the time being like I was on like put on like a shitty med before I was put on my actual meds. Yeah. It was a band-aid to the problem, but it was temporary, and I knew it was temporary. I knew I was going to be able to go back on my meds after mm-hmm. the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I say, you know, a band-aid is better than just letting yourself loosely bleed out. You know what I mean? Like, right. something is better than nothing at that point. So I think use your intuition. Think about where you're at in life and whatnot. And if you, you know, even if it's shitty, at least get the medication if you're feeling like you're in a pretty bad spot. Okay. I, this is a is a similar question to our listeners out there, um, uh, as as I am a new civilian. We'll, we'll bring that back up again. Uh, how many times do you do you use the same logic for your drug dealer? Like, if the first time you go to him and you're like, I don't know, he didn't give me good stuff. Like, do you do you go? Well, I'll give Frank a couple more tries. Maybe he'll get the good stuff this time. Uh, or do you go? Nope, it was bad. Kush. I ain't going that that Joker no more. I'm gonna go down the other way. I love how this is the question that you're asking our uh, listeners. I will say, just being a little little street smart here, maybe you don't do that with your drug dealer. Because if he's giving you bad shit, you don't know if that shit's laced with something else or made terribly. If that's what you're looking for, then wow, you know, have fun playing Russian roulette, fucker, dumb fuck. Maybe, maybe you like a little risk in your life. I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Oh, yeah. Well, the moral of the story, kids, is maybe don't risk it with your meds or your drugs. (laughs) Because, yeah, no, you just, you don't want to do that. It just makes me think of Bowtie Ben. God, Bowtie Ben. Yeah, Briggs used to have a friend named Bowtie Ben, believe it or not. God, Briggs is like, I call him Mobster Briggs because of all the shit that's happened in his life and everything. He just, and like when I first met him, he just looked like he worked for the mafia. Wow. I don't know. And you, uniform, and you had I just came like back from Italy, Italy, right? Yeah. Exactly. I the Italian say, do it the best. I will say, uh, did I ever tell you about the time I, I made a bunch of fake drugs and kept them in my barracks room? Yes, you did. Tell me yeah. that. They don't know that. It's true. Uh, so one day, uh, kids, one day uh, a soldier came to my room um, and they. They were doing an inspection, not on my side of, of my life, uh, but my, my roommates, right? Right. But they had to go through my area to get to his area. And I am a hobby person. I have a lot of hobbies, and they're very diverse. And so uh, I was I was doing something uh, called uh, chromatography, right? Real uh, quick, is his feet about to end? No, no, no we've got like t- 15 minutes. Okay, sorry. Baby stuff here. Baby stuff. Um, no, yeah, we got time. Okay. But... Um, I was trying to make a bunch of chemicals, uh-huh. right, and then forget what those chemicals were uh-huh. so that I could then figure out what those chemicals were using chemistry uh, okay. to make sure I know how to do that. Um, right, because that's just what you do on a Saturday night. Well, the thing is I had a bunch of random crystals all over my barracks room at this point, just like 
broken beakers or beakers full of like dangerous looking chemicals and stuff. Um, and I was not there at the time. Uh, but my roommate told me that his new sergeant uh, had come in and said that I had until Friday to clean up my shit because um, he was going to come back and inspect my side of the barracks um, because uh, it was filthy and I looked like I was a drug dealer. Um, God. I will say I was angry at this. The reason I was so angry was because for the last three days I had had inspections. I had an inspection by my platoon sergeant, right? So an, an E6 had seen my room and they went, okay, there's a lot, but whatever. You, you got a lot of shit. And then uh, my first sergeant had come in, right? Uh, and he had gone, okay, you have a lot of stuff, right? And it's real kooky, but I love it, right? Because uh, I was beloved by that command. Uh, God. <laughs> and then the next day was supposed to be a, a brigade-wide inspection, right? Right. Where the biggest honcho was going to come by and make sure that everyone's rooms were spick and span. And he canceled it, Right. The brigade commander and the brigade sergeant major canceled it. But then your roommate, who has no, I got a phone call. I got a phone call after they were like, "Nope, it's canceled." I got a phone call, and they were like, "Hey, is your room okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's fine. It's the exact same as it has been." They're like, "Great, the brigade commander is coming to check your room." And I'm like, "Why?" And they're like, "Cause they kept getting stories about how cool it is." And I'm like, "Come on, <laughs> what the fuck is that?" Jesus. And so I had to get back into uniform because I had changed out of it to get mm -hmm. like ready for the day had to get back into my fancy uniform and they came in and they did a tour of my room because i had like all sorts of dumb stuff i had a skeleton i had plants i had to be in dress i had to be in my dressiest uniform for it That's because stupid. every other day i had gone in my regular acus but, but this, this day brigade, it was so. the big fuck off people so they okay. wanted me in my biggest fanciest uniform and so they did my uniform they did the room and really they just wanted to talk to me about mm -hmm. stuff right they because we had just done like uh, promotion or promotion um, board and stuff. So they had met me before and they'd heard about my stuff, but they'd never seen my place. Okay, so then, then what ended up happening? So the next day, that's when that sergeant came by and was like, "You need to clean this shit up. This place is a pigsty. You should be embarrassed." And I, I was like, you. "Go fuck yourself!" Right? I was like, "You call me a drug dealer? You've besmirched my character, right?" Oh, uh, besmirched. I I was very upset, and so. Uh, I was like, fine, if you think I look like a drug dealer, I'm going to make it look like I'm a drug dealer. Uh, and so I went out and I got uh, a, a metric ton of uh, powdered sugar. Like, like I don't, I don't remember. I think it was like 20 or 28 bags of powdered sugar. So uh, I'm just going to interrupt you here. Yeah, yeah. You're doing this yep. because you're angry, yep. because you're trying to, you know, mm -hmm, piss mm -hmm. this guy off and yep. to get back at him. Yep. And to embarrass him. Yep. But yet you have to clean this up yeah, afterwards. Clean it up. I mean, like, I lived, I want to say, 20 feet from a dumpster. It wasn't that big of a deal. Okay, well, go ahead. Yeah. So you threw your temper tantrum. Yeah, so I I got um, a bunch of powdered sugar. Yeah, that's fine. I got a bunch of powdered sugar and I got uh, uh, a bunch of saran wrap. And I know how to make bricks or kilos of powder. Uh, oh, from previous okay. existences. I used to make them and hide them in my toilets to, to fuck with people. Also, to decrease the amount of water I use because that's environmental. Uh, okay. But, Continue. But I, uh, I made a bunch of these, these bricks, right? Um, and I Out also, of powdered sugar. Out of powdered sugar. And also, I uh, called a buddy of mine who actually works with the Italian mafia so that I could find out what the locations of the Italian mafia's, like, imports for drugs are in Italy, all of the towns that they use. Oh, God. And so I made a fake mafia, like, logo to go on the front and then wrote out, like, addresses for all these actual mafia <laughs> locations. And how'd the guy take it? Uh, so, he didn't inspect the room. Uh, Were you sad? No, because uh, his leader did. Oh. So, he was an E5, right? Yeah. Uh, which was my rank when I left, right? right? Um, and an E7 uh, was the one who showed up. And did uh, he get pissed? She did. She did. Okay. I, was in the sh I was in the bathroom at the time, shaving for okay. the day. And uh, she came in uh, and started yelling up a storm at my roommate. She's like, you're going to tell him this and tell him that, and this is ridiculous. And he's like, 
I can go get him. He's over there. He's just around the corner. And I'm hearing all this with my headphones on naturally. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> why are they yelling? It's no point. And uh, so eventually I come out. I'm half shaved, mm-hmm. right? Because I've still got shaving cream on my face. I'm like, hey, how's it go? Right? Uh, and they're like, is this you? And I'm like, yeah. It, w- what do you want? <laughs> and they're like, what? What is this? And I'm like, it's a, it's a, what was the word I used? Um, a tableau. I think that's the word I used. Um, it's like an art piece. I yes, <laughs> they're like, yes. what, what? What does that mean? I'm like, it's an art piece. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I I was upset, and when I'm upset, I I create art to to show my dis- displeasure with things. <laughs> oh my god! And they're like, you think this is a joke? And I'm like, I don't know. Did you think it was funny? <laughs> I laughed at them. <laughs> so, what did they say? Clean it up? No, they were like. You, you think it's funny to glorify drugs? I'm like, I'm not glorifying drugs. You're a man over there, because he had shown up at this point. You're a man over there so that I look like a drug dealer. You besmirched my character. Besmirched my character? <laughs> I, I kept saying that. <laughs> you besmirched my character. I'm a drug dealer. And if he's going to call me a drug dealer, I'm going to make it look like I'm a drug dealer. Show him what he's supposed to be looking for. God. Uh, yeah, it was a long thing. Eventually, he, she said some of the lines of... Uh, what would you think your NCO would say if I uh, if he saw this? And I'm like, I honestly would love to show him. I hated that guy. He's dead, by the way. Uh, he died recently. But oh shit! Yeah, yeah, he killed himself. But shit. Uh, but, <laughs> um, yeah, he. She ends up having me uh, uh, send him a text, take pictures of it, and I am fucking giddy. I'm laughing my ass off in my head and like send it over to him like, hey cool Mitch, how's it going? Yep, here's all the shit I did today. Hope you like it. And uh, <laughs> she she's like, have him call me by the end of the day uh, and tell me what he thinks about all this. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so I just go to work after that, right? And my job for that day was building an office for uh, a group of people and uh, as I'm doing that my platoon sergeant stops me and goes, Hey, wait, and by the way, if you're going to fucking do something stupid, give me a heads up at least. Like, so I can go, like, maybe stop or great so I can cover your ass. That's all I want. Just a heads up. And that was it. That was the only talk I ever got about it. Wow. So he's done a lot of things like this in the Army um, and has gotten away with, like, pretty Mm. much all of them. So what would you say the moral of that story is? (sighs) Don't besmirch my character. Yeah. Back up what you're going to say. God, yeah. Well, there you have it. Anyways, thanks for coming to the Disorder Hour and our ASMR. 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 Uh, We really appreciate it. And uh, once again, it's been great having you guys on Depressed Dolphins. Depressed Dolphins. 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 Uh, (laughs) And uh, yeah, we are going to go take care of our baby because his feed is about to be up. Thanks so much. And uh, remember, every breath is a conscious one, but... Mm -hmm. Only you can keep choosing to breathe, unlike some dolphins who decide that it's okay to just take a breath, swim all the way down, and never come back up. All right. On that note, all for the hand jobs. Yes, look this up, guys. Look this up. We don't make this shit up. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.